you for a new life in you, our wholeness. Salvation means so much more than heaven, which is, is wonderful in itself, but we have a heavenly life down here on earth. We want to learn more about that life, Lord. This is why we gather together under your word and under your name. We thank you for being here with us. Talk to us, Lord. Share with us what's on your heart today, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So last week we started talking about um, what what do you seek? What seek ye? What y'all looking for? In other words, <laughs> what up? <laughs> and um, but anyway, we talked about the different, I guess the different uh, groups, or we can categorize groups of people seeking the Lord. <clears throat> We did know, and, and from the scripture in Mark chapter 137, uh, Peter responded to Jesus saying, All men seek for thee. Uh, there is a time when everybody answers the question, Is there a God? Number one, and if there is a God, who is God? Everybody's trying to identify uh, the source of life, the source of uh, creation. Uh, We all understand something bigger than ourselves in life. And and we have to have that answer. That's a universal question that all men try to answer. And so when Jesus made himself available to humanity and began to reveal his glory to us, all of humanity uh, there was a a pull to um, be around him to get to know him to get questions answered to get understanding of all of these questions that have baffled us throughout the ages so Jesus begins to reveal the father to the people who are following him and so we see that the seekers of Jesus kind of tended to fall into three categories uh, the one were disciples um it, just because you are saved or you've had a born again experience or been baptized or something like that does not really make you a disciple of Jesus Christ of uh, the disciple the word disciple is is from the latin word for student and so you have to be one who studies the word not just casually reading it and getting a scripture here and there but to study it because to study the word means you are studying God you are studying about him this is his written record of his dealings with man and how he's what he's revealed to us about himself about ourselves about uh, creation it's a history really of God and man the bible is and so we need to read up on our history you know i see uh, some of the websites that are popular now that talk to you about your family tree uh ancestry.com genealogy and all this stuff but until you know who your real father your creation father is uh, it doesn't matter about any of that stuff in between it, it it if you don't have a good understanding of who you are as far as god's eyes are concerned what did he create you to be how does he see you what does he think about you why did he put you here uh, is there a relationship with him if so what kind of relationship are we to have with him that kind of thing those questions need to be answered i believe first and foremost or you'll just be stuck in a natural inheritance which can work for or against you you understand what i'm saying there's there's some things that we all have in our in our natural background heritage if we know it there's some people that don't know it 
Uh, there are some people who are adopted adopts uh, at certain uh, ages adoption records were sealed they had no idea who parents were people are looking around yeah people are lost they're just lost they're always I don't care if you're adopted or you know your parents you're lost without understanding God and who God is and so once you find God all of that other stuff about you should be really, really secondary. You know, who you are in, in Christ, who God created you to be, that should have preeminence and dominance in your life uh, instead of your, your natural heritage, really, if you know it. You know, most of us are guessing. You know, we, we know what granny told us and, and great granny told great, great granny something and, and all that kind of stuff, but you really don't know. So it's, it, and if you can live all your life without knowing that stuff, it must not be that relevant. You know, but when you find who you are in Christ, that tends to settle everybody. You know, that that question gets answered and it gets answered very well. And so in seeking God as disciples, we are seeking understanding of who he is, who we are in our relationship to one another. That was what, what they were seeking Jesus for. We talked about the different motivations the disciples had in seeking Jesus. Uh, some of them were seeking Jesus because they felt the oppression of Roman government. And they felt that Jesus the Messiah when he came he would tell Caesar off real good and get them out of Caesar's grip. You know. Which he did but not in the way they thought. Right. See. He fulfills those things. It's amazing the things that we are looking uh, to God for. He does them anyway, but not in the way we think they're supposed to be done. And, and that's the big catch about relationship with God. He brings these things in in a spiritual fashion. And they get played out in the natural. You know, I'm not saying uh, if you're in, in prison and you get saved, you won't ever get out of jail. Because you're you're released, brother, in your spirit. Well, what's all these bars still sitting in front of me for? And I'm falsely accused. You understand what I'm saying? And so it it it, but it plays out first in a spiritual fashion, which is the this is who we really are. We are spirit people. We're not. This is the highest form, actually, of relationship that we can have with God, and that is through the spirit. And with anybody for that matter, is to have a connection uh, in in the Holy Spirit, so that that the life force that uh, exists between two individuals gives life both waves, and it's it's perfect both ways. It's good both ways. So really, a spiritual answer and a spiritual empowerment is the highest level of connection we can have. Listen, you're you're. Your physical situation is never your problem. If one of the tricks of the enemy is to keep us so focused on what's going wrong in the natural. And trust me, if if you're the type of person that he can get it there your attention with that, he'll keep your you'll never have a time where you won't have problems. And and that's probably true of people who who are have given everything over to God, but that's not our focus. See, I can have things in my life that aren't going swell, but that's not going to make or break my life because that's not my life. That's a small portion of it, but my life really is the life that I live for God. 
the life, the righteousness, the peace and the joy. Going to bed with a good conscience and not not having anybody mad at me or looking for me or on the outs with me and I haven't done something to somebody that I'm ashamed of and, and can't get over and all that. That means everything. That's everything. That's everything. It's everything. Because many people are driven in the natural realm by unconscious uh, bad feelings, misgivings, bad motivations, all that kind of stuff. They're driven by those things. They're enslaved to the thoughts that, that surround those things. And so when you can have relationship with God where you know that the blood of Jesus has cleansed and purged your conscience from dead works, your, your brain's been sprinkled with his blood. It's been covered and sprinkled and, and atoned for. And that stuff is burnt out of your brain. And you have a new brain, a new life, everything. That's everything. Hallelujah. See, you, you can't buy that. Psychiatrists have tried to give it to people. They've given you more problems and more headaches. You got pills they give you and the pills are full of witchcraft because they're mind altering drugs. And so, you know, you, you, we have to understand that when we come into contact with God as disciples, it's worth studying the Bible. It's worth studying. It's, it's worth coming to church. It's worth giving your time over to prayer. It's worth it because you are living the highest form of life that you can live and that's a spiritual life. See, the Long Island medium wishes she knew the Holy Spirit. She wishes she could talk to somebody about something besides dead people. You know, that's she promotes that because that's all she's got. But if she could walk in into in covenant with the living God and get to bring healing and life to people, I bet she would give up what she's got. Because there's no there's nothing there except death on the dark side of spiritual things. But we're on the eternal life side of spiritual things. So it's worth being a disciple, folks. We disciples follow God. For different reasons. Sometimes our reasons aren't real pure. But in his mercy he'll answer those things anyway. He'll give us what we're looking for anyhow. Because he's a perfect God. He's a perfect parent. He's a perfect dad. And so he's able to answer all of these things in our seeking of him. The Bible tells us if we seek him with all of our heart will find him. We can't half-heartedly seek God. Some people seek him for a season. If they get frustrated and, and can't get what they want soon enough, then they're moving on. That's not seeking God. That's seeking something they think he has. But that's not seeking him. Most of us would be insulted. If you married somebody and you found out they were only with you in good times, you'd be really upset. You got me? Because most people are a hard time wrapped in flesh themselves and don't realize it. You know, you were doing good till they walked into your life. Now we both doing bad. And so we we need to understand though when we come into the presence of God he does us good. You know that that's the highest good that we'll ever have. So always put spiritual things on a much higher level than natural things. Your bills will come and go, uh physical problems will come and go, but you need to be anchored in God. You need to be anchored so you don't waver. And so as disciples we need to seek God so so that we can have fellowship and communion with him. I think that's the highest, you know, anybody can go to God when they need an answer. 
Anybody can go when they have a problem. But to go because he's your friend and you want fellowship with a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who when he does judge you he gives you a remedy for what you're being judged on. You got me? He doesn't just hang you out there to feel bad about your problem. And so when when we have that, when we understand that and and then we'll be well hungry for relationship and hungry for the things that God has for us. So there are many people seeking the Lord. I mean, after he did his first miracle the crowds just grew and grew and grew and they followed him everywhere and so the disciples then had to make up their minds how they were going to follow the Lord and I think that's important if you consider yourself a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ which I believe most of you are if not all of you are disciples of the Lord if you're not you can be you can be. And so when, as a disciple of God, you have to put him first. When Jesus called, called the twelve, he told them to immediately follow him. And you see they all dropped what they were doing and followed him. This drop what you're doing and follow me is a must. That's, that's something God does not uh, compromise on. And he's not offended if you got something better to do he'll just let you go ahead and do what you need to do but you need to understand he's not going to alter his standards because we think we're important you got me or we're deceived into thinking something else like the rich young ruler he says what do I have to do to inherit eternal life and Jesus gave him the commandments he said oh good I got that covered I've done this since I was a kid man that's a piece of cake and Jesus said well there's one more thing See, when we follow the Lord, there's always one more thing. <laughs> I've found that throughout the years. There's always one more thing that we can add to our obedience. There's always one more thing that you can sacrifice. There's always one more thing that you can do more of. There's always one more thing you can do less of. There's always one more thing. If you haven't found that out, I'm glad to bring you that news. But there is always one more thing that we can do in order to prove our love for God. There's, even if you're doing everything right, so to speak, which this is not a life so much of right and wrong, but it's a life of obedience or disobedience. You got me? And the law is written in our hearts that we don't sin against God. That's a given. You understand me? You're, you're, you're commanded to, to obey what God has told you in your heart to obey you got me and so he's told us all don't lie don't steal don't cheat I mean we carried that over from our our carnal life he knew that when you were a sinner he knew it was wrong to steal he knew it was wrong to lie if you didn't that's news too write that down <laughs> all that's wrong we know that that's a carryover God says even the people with the Gentiles that didn't have the law have the law in itself because your conscience is telling you what's what's right and what's wrong and so we understand the things that we're not to do anymore well now that we're purged from dead works let's go on to serve the living God let's go on to add to our faith knowledge of the word add to our faith an ability to serve others add to our faith the desire to follow God and so as disciples when we're seeking God we're seeking him for what he has assigned us to do in this life that's your most important seeking is what's my assignment many people are afraid of assignments from God 
Well, I got news for you. He'll empower you to do whatever. He'll make it available. He makes it so easy for us to do it. Or we do something for God and then we need a vacation for three months. Because we think it took so much out of us. You know, oh boy, did you see what I... I, We just got back from empowerment meeting. I can't get up and put a box away. You understand what I'm saying? Seriously. Seriously. It's such an effort for some people. They don't understand that there's a grace that they miss every single time. Let me tell you where people blow it in this thing. You receive grace through faith. We can all quote that, but we don't know how it works. First grace you receive is when you say yes to the Lord. And this is a step a lot of people miss. When God says do this, we sit back and we try to figure out how not to do too much. You know, we don't want to get too involved in this. What you do when God tells you to do something, you say yes immediately. We forget the greatest power that we have to work for us is the power of faith that works through our affirming God's will. Remember that? When you want your bills paid, you start speaking scriptures that will bring money to you because you're affirming God's will. It works the same thing with, with things that you don't want to do necessarily for God. It works in everything that we do. If you have to go out witnessing, you say yes to God. And then he makes it easy for you. If you don't ever say yes, you're going to struggle. You're going to have it hard. You're going to be worried. You're going to be fearful. Somebody will break in your house while you're gone. All that stuff will go wrong because you never affirm what he is saying to you. You're trying to go about doing for God without having it in your heart to do it. When you say yes, that puts the word in your heart and that word motivates you, it helps you, it strengthens you, it leads you, it guides you, it encourages you. That word takes care of you throughout the process. Yes and amen is very important in the things that God has called us to do. Very important. And when we seek God, we are seeking him for his will. Many of us are looking for something from God. That's everybody. There are prayers that we've prayed that we expect to get answered. They get answered as we affirm more of God's will in our life. If that's part of the will of God for you, then witnessing is part of the will of God for you. Taking care of the building is part of the will of God for you. Talking to neighbors, praying for neighbors is part of the will of God for you. All of this is part of his will. So the more of the will of God you affirm, the easier it is for you to expect good to come. It's easy to expect good to come. What do do I mean when I say easy? Well, there's a grace to receive as well as a grace to give. There's grace to, to do everything that God has set before us to do. And so if you want to easily receive what God has put in line for you, then you have to be receptive to his will no matter what he tells you to do. He's just got to work like that. There's no other way. Jesus made himself of no reputation. And look what it won for him. It won the souls of everybody in the whole world. So to me it's worth it. To affirm some of the things that we find distasteful. Or we find you know it's going to be something. A new experience. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know if I'm. You're not supposed to like it. He just told you to do it. You see anywhere in the word where God told us to like anything? He told us to do it, right? 
like will take care of itself. You got me? Like is a side issue. It's not the main issue. And once we see obedience is the main issue and like is something secondary. You got me? You didn't like your wife every day or your husband every day. You didn't like what they cooked every day. You didn't like the way they broke, you know, throw the clothes around when they came in every day. But you loved them. You stayed with them. So like becomes secondary, folks. We all know that. We know how that goes. So in seeking God, we're to seek what he has planned for us and say yes to the plan. You got to say yes to that plan. It's got to be affirmed through you, through your words. That's how faith works. It works through your affirmation of God's word. That's all we're doing. We're not creating anything. We're not trying to make anything happen. We're affirming what God has already said and spoken to us. That's why it's good when you get a prophecy. You just pour over it and read it and thank God for it. Father, I thank you for this. Yes, this is going to happen. Yes, I'm expecting this. Yes, 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 yes. Many of us who have learned over the years how this thing works, when we see something good that God's spoken toward us, we jump on it right away. You know? So, the, the, you know, and, and Jesus had people going both ways. The disciples liked some of what he prophesied and they didn't like some of it. You know, when he said he was going to leave them, they didn't like that. No, Lord, you're not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And so some of the things were hard for them to accept as well. But we have to accept what God has put before us. And that's how you live the blessed life. So when you're seeking God, you're seeking him for your purpose, your part in his plan, not the other way around. You you have to go to him with that blank, that blank, you know, tablet. Let him write on the tablet. You got me? Most of us have got so many things written on, he had has kind of has to put his in the margin. <laughs> you know, it's best to take the tablet empty to him and let him fill that up with his purpose and what he has for us. So as disciples now, these are people who are studying God and, and, and active in it and studying through relationship it's good to keep those things in mind so God has provided for us everything that we need to carry this out and that's always good to remember it's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness so your life is taken care of that is your material needs and godliness which is the ability to bring it to pass so you you get both of them from him he provides safety and protection for us, for the disciples. He did that. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law. Come on, folks. <laughs> That's kind of like the last person on the family list. Oh, my mother-in-law, really? You got her up out the bed? <laughs> Why'd you do that? You know what I'm saying? But, but still... He takes care of everything, you know, the things that are dear to us and the things that are just kind of there. So, you know, he takes care of all of those things. So as disciples, we seek God for that reasons, those reasons. We have personal reasons and then there are reasons related to what God has purposed for us, to his purpose. So there's two things going there, our personal desires and his purpose. They harmonize. They're never in conflict. God has a way of working everything together for our good. So never be afraid that God's going to require too much of you and uh, <clears throat> that things aren't going to work out for you because he's got it all worked out already. So 
we know that Jesus received protection from God you know they tried to kill him many times and weren't able to so the disciples uh, of of God are, re, are as we walk this earth we receive all the protection that God uh, ever needs to give us we are entitled to that so believe him for you know uh, for his protection divine protection uh, all of the things that we desire from God you know I've I've uh, praised God we've been traveling up and down the turnpikes and highways for over 25 years regularly never had an accident never 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 you know just just divine protection but we break twice a week for that you got me we release our faith for it on a continual basis and so if we can walk in that we walk without fear in this earth just the way Jesus did and so uh, it makes us hard to kill folks hard to kill that's the way you want it because and that's the way God want it, wants it because he's empowered us with eternal life to help humanity that's very valuable and he holds it in high value and we need to too and we need to recognize the benefits that we have because of that because the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that uh, we have lives that, that can be preserved through all kinds of difficulties so then our second example was that of the religious when they seek Jesus so you got all kinds in a Jesus meeting you got true believers you got disciples you have the religious the disciples need to sit on the front row so they can hear and study everything but the religious always get the best seats how do they beat us to the seats <laughs> well they work on it a lot you got me religion works uh, is is uh, uh, infused with works instead of faith and relationship with God what differs makes religion different from true Christianity and discipleship is that religion relies on man's works as his attempt to please God instead of seeking God and pleasing him through relationship they please him through works works are a distant there they they, there's relationship there to a degree but it's very distant and you assume that you're pleasing God because of what you do mm. you assume that you don't look for a confirmation you don't look for a witness any of that you assume because you work many times the religious sought to to entrap Jesus they spent most of their time at his meetings either thinking evil toward him or openly criticizing him and when they were just thinking it I think they started out criticizing him it got rebuked and then they just sat there and thought it he knew what they were thinking anyway so many times he would tell them what they were thinking so they were unable through many attempts to overthrow his ministry he came right into the synagogue and began to teach because that was customary for rabbis to be able to do that you know it wasn't like uh, he was there usurping authority uh, God the Father had called him to his ministry and that's a very unique method that he used to demonstrate his his totality of of um, uh, of um, authority in these areas 
these days we don't do that you don't go to somebody else's church and just get up and start preaching and taking over things he was not taking over what he was doing is demonstrating the will of God toward his sheep he came in as the good shepherd because one of the one of the calls of the Messiah was an anointing to minister he was a prophet as well and so uh, many times prophets would operate in this unique uh, way in God they would just show up the anointing would come upon them and they would begin to do their ministry it didn't matter if they were inside outside whatever wherever God would have them be they would be this in this day I discourage people from trying to get up and take over somebody's meeting because I believe God will open the door for you to speak if you will speak to the leadership God will open the door for you to speak and it it doesn't have to be that kind of uh you know uh conflict and 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 uh, confrontation there's no record in the Bible that there was ever any kind of confrontation where uh, you know Jesus was thrown out or something like that they envied him and they didn't didn't uh, care for him but he always did the will of the Father I think it's the will of the Father now to respect the authority of the church and divine order in everything that we do I think that'll pay you much more than trying to run around and, and disturb somebody's we got people who do that but they're not sent by God you know what I'm saying so you just have to be careful about those things you can't imitate everything that you know when you see stuff like that in the Bible you have to watch how you feel about it if you get real excited about the fact that uh, he was was whipping people and all this kind of stuff I mean you know let's get real here <laughs> and, uh, you don't want to just come in church and start whipping folks so you know that's it's, it's, you just have to watch where you're coming from when you read things like that but but anyway the we we see here the conflict between religion and the truth of God's word we call it light versus light because the the Pharisees had a corner of the truth of God but here the scriptures were coming to life all of a sudden it was in the now that this was happening and I think that's probably more of the conflict in the church these days is just like it was then there's a a a conflict between uh, religion in that religion is never happening now because there's no life on it there's no power on it to give life and there's no demand of faith on it so you'll find many times in religion people just want to tell you enough to keep you a little bit hopeful about God doing something but they will never have the faith to let him demonstrate it for you in the now it's it's a form of godliness but it denies the power thereof power of God has always been mysterious to religious people they're always curious about it they'll religious people often will come to your meetings and sit there and watch uh, uh, so attentively watch movements watch mannerisms watch inflections in your voice watch how you know they think you push people down they don't fall you know they they watch every single thing because these things are mysterious to the carnal mind and instead of them uh, 
evaluating things by the spirit and through relationship with God go to God and ask him God this looks like this is your power here and it's helping people can you give that to me you see that's all it takes is a a yes affirmation to God that that you want that in your life so that you can help people not so that you can do what they do and look like they look which is why sometimes people don't get empowered by God because their motives about it are are goofy and so there's all this carnality sometimes surrounding the things of the spirit and surrounding the real power of God but the power of God will prevail anyway it will always prevail uh, in these situations and so Jesus through the anointing prevailed over everything he did his ministry for exactly the number of days hours and minutes the father told him to do it when it was time to lay down his life he laid it down there was a purpose there uh, everything he did was on schedule and purposeful because he was a true disciple of the father God and he obeyed God in everything that he did and I'm telling you our lives can work just like that too as true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ everything that he has called us to do we will do and it will work for us because we stay true to the relationship and it's not ritual you know in religion there's ritual with no relationship and there's there's in a, as long as there's ritual you can get people convinced that that's all there is that there is no relationship and so it hides the relationship with God from people and and they're not able to really connect to God and so in that that not being able to seek find and connect that's where religion can intervene and, and intercede and separate us from God so always if there are things that you do in your walk with God that keep the re- relationship strong let that be your foundation don't ever veer off from that you keep that in your life I don't care who criticizes it who tells you you don't have to do that it's not necessary that's legal isn't it you just keep if you if it's your relation you keep that relationship with God if God loves it who did if he's for you who can you say is against you you keep that thing right because that's what you're using as your foundation for how you always contact God and so if if he doesn't have a qualm with it why would man have one and so when in religion there's always a beef with the power of God always when light attacks light there's always some beef against the person who carries the power of God and so the the Pharisees and Sadducees were able in the end to bring an accusation against Jesus and but they needed help to carry it out religion was very powerless in and of itself and so they got their help by appealing to Herod okay so here we have the world and the religious church ganging up on the true disciple of God and this is what we fight today in in our world and in our life we have this uh, thing where the the forces of the world the secular world now is attacking the power of God and the people of God and religion helps them religion helps them many of the people that we see speaking as uh, representatives of God are not really in their heart representing him with a message that he's given them 
they're representing some form of religion that's speaking as the voice of God. You know, the people who really speak for God, they never want to talk to. They stay away from those people or scared of those people. Every now and then you'll see see somebody take something Pat Robertson said out of context and try to make a big deal of it, but it never goes very far because they're really scared of that man. Because I see what he did to put fear in the hearts and minds of people in the 80s when he attempted to run for president. They were shaking in their boots. They thought, oh my goodness, here they're coming now. They're going to take over the White House. You got me? And so there are certain people that they know the power of God is on because these people have a relationship with God and that's never been broken. The one thing I can say about uh, there are certain leaders that we have in the church, that relationship with God is so solid it can never be broken by their words, by the devil's plots, by anything. They never water it down. And so this is the good thing about the, the good thing about God. Billy Graham's the same way. He's always nice to people. He's always, but they know what they're going to get from him. So they're not really interested in sticking a microphone up in his face all the time asking him what he thinks about these dear his son's the same way he's he's like a bulldog without a you know with the pit bull that you really don't leave around anybody that's him you know that kind of uh, you know like you go to some people's house and you got a pit bull there and he's growling they say oh he's real nice <laughs> he ain't that one he's the other one that you don't leave with company so so yeah, and 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 they're and it's because of they have a solid relationship with God. See that they, they know a personal accountability for their words in their heart. Their heart pierces them when they think about saying something that would compromise the message of the gospel. So they just don't do it. And whenever you talk to them, they say the same thing over and over and over again. And then the 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 uh, interviewer winds up confused and dazed, you know, like he's been in a fight somewhere. And they just go away and leave him alone. So when the world sought Jesus, they sought him as an infant. Herod first sought to kill Jesus. After that Herod died, Jesus came back <clears throat> to his country and was able to live, and was able to start his ministry, was able to have success with the Father. The world system always sees God as a threat to its existence. Always. We're a threat to the world. Why? Because truth is the biggest uh, uh, threat to the lies of the world. It's the greatest threat to the world system of lies. Because it will dismantle the world system very quickly. When truth gets to be preached. <clears throat> if, you, if you look at some of the revivals that the church has had throughout history. Uh, some of the uh, revivals, especially in the, the uh, British Isles and some of those nations over there, uh, you know, holes, the, all of the bars in the whole city would have to shut down because people renounced liquor and started going to church and stuff like that. And so think what that does to the economy. If you look in the Bible, uh, it, you know, when Paul, um, I forget, I think it was... Uh, in in Ephesus, one of the cities that was really bad with witchcraft, and he um, 
preached Christ and all the sorcerers came and burned their books. No more witchcraft. Uh, the girl with the spirit of divination, he cast the devil out of her. She couldn't do her craft and bring money to her masters anymore. And so these things hurt the world. They hurt it. When when uh, Christians start to pray and they don't want casinos. I mean real Christians pray and not just mouth the words. But they are against gambling. And they are against what it brings into people's lives. They are against the spread of that kind of evil. And they speak about it. Then the enemy is very upset with that. Because he knows that our words have power. And his way to lure people into that lifestyle of fast money. Where he can switch money around real quick. And get it out of hand. This person put it over in somebody else's hand. So they can think they're rich all of a sudden. You know that kind of thing. When that system starts to be torn down. Then the world is upset with the church. They're upset with us because of the things that we speak and the things that we say. And so truth is the greatest threat. It's the greatest threat. If you want to harm the devil, you keep speaking the word. You keep believing your Bible. You keep praying the word. You keep declaring what God says. You keep speaking what God says and see if the world doesn't get mad and upset because they can't do anything against God's word and they know it. The church is always the last one to wake up to the power that we have that we don't use. Always. Because we're looking at things in such a, a uh, I guess, a skewed light. You know, we're not looking at them correctly. And so oftentimes we're the last ones to figure out, gee, if I just keep speaking this, it did get me in a little trouble. But maybe if I try and continue with it, it might get me out of some of the trouble. <laughs> I like what this says. I am the head, not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. Hmm. Maybe if I keep saying that, I'll start to believe it and God will start to respond and act on it. Now he'll put me there. You got a mean boss. Uh, you can have his job because you are the head, not the tail. Huh? You're you're that in 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 a form right now. You have headship working in you right now. If you keep letting it work, eventually it will take that spot that it rightfully deserves. God wants to give that to you. He only promotes qualified people, folks. You know, he, he, he'll promote you if you qualify. If you're faithful, you do what God tells you to do. You get in a position of power, don't get vindictive against people that used to, used to treat you wrong. You, you bless them. You pray for your enemies. Do the right thing. And God will always be there with you and be there for you. So as the church is able to spread truth, then the world has to come up with another strategy to stop the advancement of God's word in the earth. Because that word sets people people free that word helps people once people realize that they don't have to depend on anybody for anything except God God will bring the right people in your life he'll bring you the right opportunities once you set people on a freedom freedom path like that there's no stopping that that type of, of attitude in people's hearts and so when what the world tries to do is to stop what the church is doing. The real disciples of God. It tries to stop uh, what we're doing. Worldly people seek Jesus through his representatives. They can't get to God because they don't know God. The only way you can know God is you've got to make peace with him. 
got to lay down your wicked ways and receive the righteousness of God and walk in that. And so they'll they'll attack God through his representatives. One strategy is they seek to discredit God's servants. Always wanting to put us in a negative light. The press coined the phrase televangelist. And that always seems to have kind of a negative connotation with it. It was coined uh, back in the 80s when they began to describe people on television, especially when Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were on television. I think when Rex Humbard was one of the first ministers on television, when he was on television, they had a good reputation. You know, he stayed in his little spot on Sunday morning. He would tell people, he said, now we're not a substitute for your church. If you prayed this prayer, we'll send you a Bible. You go to, I remember getting a Bible from a little teeny, teeny little thing. You know, they send anybody their little Bible. And it was barely big enough to see but uh, there was a girl I was like in fifth grade and there was a girl in my class and she had one and she said oh, I got it free I watched this program on television they said I'll, I'll get one for you so she got another one and she <laughs> gave it to me and I had that teeny little 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 red bible but in that day most people they gave them a hard time now they they'd have they'd have their critics they'd have people tell them mostly people were mad because they were on television it was mostly Christians mad because they were on television and so they had to go through that uh, kind of stuff and uh, um, who is his wife was Maud Amy and she said he said oh Maud Amy she gets so mad at those people you see her on TV turn her list of stuff and <laughs> she was real though she didn't like a mess with her husband because she saw how he sacrificed and how hard he worked uh, to serve people to serve God and get that message on television and they had a solid message of Jesus Christ and him crucified as the way to salvation faith in the crucifixion was your way to salvation and so when when that message uh, began to be attacked that kept a lot of people from wanting to take that kind of heat. I mean, you didn't see a lot of people. And then suddenly there was a, a somewhat of a revival among the Jesus people in the late 60s and early 70s where they had a great demand now for the gospel to be preached on television you saw tons of people start to uh, buy television stations that were going out of business and all that kind of stuff and so there was a revival in television ministry and that led to a lot of people on television that didn't have the means to stay on there and so they they resorted to a heavy-handed fundraising a great deal of fundraising uh, began to take over and not just the message I think the Humbards they are they're from Akron Ohio and they've lived in that area Ernest Angley was in that area too and there seems to be uh, a, a, a type of favor there for people to be able to get on television with a solid message even now you don't see any goofy stuff coming out of that area on their Christian television which is a good thing but they're very low-key about it you got me they're not trying to live flamboyant they're not ostentatious in any way if they made some money off books and tapes you know it went back into the ministry very conservative in the way that they do things but the televangelist label came uh, in response to 
some of the negative things that started to be shown uh, where where some of the ministry people got in trouble some way or the other and so to discredit uh, God's servants and, and draw people away from God and, and keep people from seeking God the the world seeks to present the minister in a very negative light if they can keep the scandal mentality going then that's what they like to do they want people to expect Christians to get in trouble publicly they want you to expect to say oh well I knew it all along and and you know what do you expect out of these Christians and this kind of that and so they keep the spotlight on the negative aspects of the message the negative aspects of Christian television so if they can get a a servant find a servant of God in trouble or find a servant of God who's willing to compromise then they will present that another thing that's cropping up now is ministers on reality television where they take they uh, these people are allowing them to follow them around with cameras and film all of what goes on similar uh, you know there's so many people who have come to a bad end because of this thing uh, because those people are given uh, very very big power a lot of power to edit as they see fit to put what they want to splice it together any way they want to uh, for the sake of getting people to just come and watch and so there's very little ministry that's done in the reality television mode it's done so that they can put something there they hope is entertaining uh, the more conflict uh, uh, scandal loud talking bad behavior if they can get some profanity out of a preacher too that's wonderful they like that uh, they choose people that have uh, skeletons in the closet uh, the sheared family that I didn't know they had an illegitimate kid in the family now everybody knows you got me and if you don't forgive them then something's wrong with you you know it has nothing to do with forgiveness you got me that's not the issue the issue is why are they on television whose idea is it for this to be made known publicly see it's done to discredit you know we're all hypocrites we all uh, have sex out of uh, without being married babies out of wet like we're just like the world that's what they want to project so if the world can bring the church down to its low level of living that's what they want and they're being successful at it they're being successful at it because their their message that church people are not what they purport to be is being picked up and it's being heard and it's being believed by people and so this business of the reality television that's why we pray these people off TV God cancel the show get this you know, get it out get it off of there it, it doesn't look like that's what you want to promote for your people we all know we all can sin but that's not the message we want to get across we want to get them say they know they can sin the church knows we can sin after we've come to Christ everybody knows that but that's not the message that Jesus told us to preach he told us to preach the gospel to every creature he didn't tell us to preach our weakness our faults and our bad behavior we're to preach the gospel that message brings life maybe it needs to be preached to some of them people that don't live right maybe they need to hear it again and believe it this time
but they're discredited in some way in in this big picture because the world wants to silence the truth that the church can preach and is supposed to preach we're discredited through labeling if they can put us under a label that carries a, a negative connotation then they will do that and so they look for people who represent God to to corner them so that they can say something that they can squeeze out of you so they can put a label or a handle on you. One of the biggest things is homophobia. You know, if they can label you a homophobe, then the accuser of the brethren feels like, or you're a hypocrite or a racist, you know. Uh, so if you can pick one of those three and label one of God's servants that way, you know, then you can pigeonhole the church as a bunch of haters. And of course, you're not going to want to go to church. You don't trust church people because they're they're this way and that way. You know, if you got this problem, oh, they're going to kill you if you ever go. You know, you can't go in there and get help. You go in there and get something else. And so, if they can discredit the church as as being a place where you don't find love, you don't find help, you don't find encouragement, you don't find faith, and you don't find the way to a better life, then that's what they want to do. They discredit us also through exposing sin and weakness predominantly. The dominant factor, if the dominant factor that they're exposing has to do with weakness, has to do with sin, has to do with, with disobedience, then they want to paint the picture of the church as being that and discredit us that way. They discredit us also by ridicule. They take some of the things that we do to help people and present it in a ridiculous light so that we can look at it and laugh. When people see, you know, now what they're trying to do is take the the uh, power of God, the demonstration of the power of God and make mockery out of it. You got me? Uh, being slain in the spirit. They want to make mockery out of that. I remember when Benny Hinn uh, was doing his meetings, and remember he would he would take his coat and, uh, and put it, and he had to stop because everybody you know and all that kind of stuff that had to stop because people are criticizing that. Well, you need to start doing it more. You know, people criticize, just get off television then if that's what it takes and start just doing your crusades but be free to demonstrate the power of God to people who don't understand it's not you, it's God, you know. And so, you know, many times you can be talked out of something that God can use to help people because you get all this negative report and you feel well it's not worth it if it's causing all this controversy you know, brother Summerall said you can make controversy work for you if you know how to work it That's right. huh? you, if, as long as you know how to work it you can make it work for you huh? God knows your heart your heart isn't to confuse people it's not to make you look like you're some big deal you know Benny Hinn never looks like a big deal he always looks like Benny Hinn, you know. Uh, I can never say that. And one thing he did say God told him to do before he put him on television a lot was the jewelry. He wore a lot of very expensive jewelry, which was given to him, and God told him to give it back. 
You got me? And so these things you, you work out with God, but, but for the most part, he covers everything. He helps everything else. You make a mistake up there in the pulpit, he helps you. you. You can come back later and explain it was wrong or you made a mistake or people will find out themselves that it was a mistake. Something you said wrong or didn't say it right, something like that. And so these are things that we, we understand are going to happen. But we need to understand too, our enemy and the world wants to make us look like buffoons. Discredit us so that people don't trust the church. When they get in trouble, they don't come to us. They go to the world. They go someplace else. So the world, it's some, th- some of the things they've had shows on, pray the gay away. Like you can't do that. Like prayer doesn't work to free people from homosexuality. Now they got laws in the school where you can't counsel children against homosexuality. They'll put you in jail or fine you or take you to court because you're disturbing their lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? All this is happening while the church is kind of joining over with them in some ways. This business about uh, preachers having secular people get up and lay hands on them is trying to bring a mockery to the power of God. You got me? Being slain in the spirit by just anybody who gets up like, like God's really anointed them and empowered them. And a minister of the gospel to submit to that. This is wrong folks. This is 100% wrong. And it's done to bring mockery to the power of God. And I'm telling you, when people start crossing that line, I don't go to their meetings. I burn their books. I tear up the tapes. I disconnect, period. You understand what I'm saying? Because they, they're on a wrong road. They've been on a wrong road. And now it's just being revealed to us. So when God starts showing you this stuff, you pay attention and you go the other way. You got me? You don't have to say anything about anybody. Just you disconnect and go the other way. Because the power of the Holy Ghost is not a mockery. What Jesus went through to pay for that, that those nuts are making fun of and pretending they've got it when they don't. Braxton family values. You got two parents there that are pastors of a church. And they let their kids do anything. Grown children do anything. Now the, they're divorced. The parents are divorced and they're both dating. It's discrediting the church, folks. They find these people. They find them. That are half-stepping and not doing what they're supposed to. And they're vain enough and self-absorbed enough to want to be on television with their garbage. They don't even know it's trash anymore. John and Kate plus eight. Now it's just Kate and, you know, whoever. Kate and ain't. To take baby Christians. And that's what they were. They were new Christians just getting their feet wet in their Christianity. But they're already on television. You know, they're trying to hold on to God and on television. And get pushed and prodded by public opinion. You know, and the marriage crumbles right on television. Well, you know, they were Christians. You see how you see how those Christians live? They don't live any better than we do, so we we don't have to we don't have to think about God. They want to get representatives of God to renounce him publicly, to just go back on their Christianity. And that happens. I have a well how much time do we have, Miss Juan? I'm gonna read this. 
Oh, we had 20 minutes? I'll read this because I really wanted to give you an understanding. What they do with the people that they discredit and what some of these people wind up doing. You know, that's that's really very tragic. I was watching uh, Ted Haggard and I know we prayed for him for a while when he first lost his church and he was involved in that and I got a chance to see somebody had an update of where are they now etc etc and I was really pleasantly surprised to see he has a church now and but I didn't hear exactly what his position is on things what his doctrine is and all that kind of stuff but he looks happy he looks content his wife looks content now when they started out this church they had a lot of kind of stray people there and a lot of kind of people that you know were looking for a place to come where they didn't have to really live right you know that kind of stuff but sometimes that's true of new new churches period you know sometimes you, your first church you get a lot of people who are rough rough shape takes a while to chef shape rough shape up and all that kind of stuff but but you know, you might wonder if he wasn't in over his head at the level he was trying to function before. Because they've got a, a church, I think they, they were meeting in their home, I think they still are meeting in their home. But they've got a nice small congregation of people and they seem to be content. They seem to have joy again. They seem to, and that's the best case if you can get people who have fallen restored, get them back to serving God because they really were called to serve God, but they're serving Him now on a level that they can handle without all the pressure and the temptation and so forth and so on. Because at one point that man was bigger than life. You know what I'm saying? He was like, oh, they, they're building this prayer tower and all this kind of, he was living a, a false life. But now he seems to be able to live who he is, to be able to live uh, what he says. And at first he was saying he didn't know if he was gay or straight, but he says now, he said, no, I know, I'm, I'm a heterosexual. He said, I was tempted to live the other life, but that's, he said, those thoughts would come to me, but it was just a temptation. I've learned how to help get God to help me to handle that and to put it behind me and not focus on that so much. But see, when you're over your head with responsibility pressure is pressure the devil likes to see people way over their head with responsibility so he can add more pressure to that and discredit you and take you down and hopefully try and take the rest of the church world with them but they won't do it because true disciples of God through relationship we know how to hold on to God see that's that's always your your key is your relationship to God. If if you have one and you always know how to contact God, you always know how to worship God, you always know that God's your friend, you don't leave that foundation, then you you can make it through. Just stay stay connected to God, stay obedient to his word and you'll be able to make it through anything. So anyway, these uh uh, uh wanting to get people to renounce what they've always believed that's the that's that's what the enemy wants because see uh, you know with people who have once or w people who uh, are, are born again still have that ability to draw people you know even though they're backslid there's a light in them you know it's, it's it gets darkness there's darkness shrouding it 
and it gets to be a great darkness but they can influence people you can see them you see that influence in them and so um, I found this about uh, a gentleman uh, you know talking about renouncing the Lord says founder of largest atheist group group in US shares conservative evangelical background this man is uh, his name is Dan Barker uh, he's co-founder of the freedom from religion found freedom from religion foundation which I run from religion too that's different to relationship if you talk about freedom from relationship now I can't help you but anyway he says which with 20,000 members claims to be the largest atheist organization in the United States was once a self-described conservative evangelist who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ before a five-year journey led him to become an atheist. Barker who no longer works to save souls but instead wages legal battles against perceived conflicts between the church and state such as the national motto in God we trust on US currency and efforts to ban city councils from holding a prayer before meetings recently spoke with a Christian post about his evangelical past in his book godless how an evangelical preacher became one of America's leading atheists now that title should let you know something about where this man's coming from he wants to be a leading somebody who's a devil big eye you know I will exalt myself so if that self exaltation thing is not killed in you and you keep letting it get fed here and there it's going to pop up where you don't want it to pop up Barker describes his journey in detail but told Christian Post that most of his movement from firm born again Bible believing evangelical well I don't know about how firm he was you know what I'm saying Christian to atheist happened within Christianity now see here somebody is trying to get us to uh, distrust one another see we put we throw suspicion on the whole church now Barker adamantly told Christian Post that he didn't just jump up from oh I have a doubt to now I'm an atheist because he believes no Christian does that but rather he sees believers as shuffling back and forth one way or another across a vast spectrum of spectrum of Christian theology I don't know where he gets that from he says my migration which took four or five years started out as extreme far right side and then gradually moved across where in the beginning I didn't think oh these doubts are going to lead to atheism I thought they were strengthening my faith now we can doubt strengthen your faith see a lot of these people don't have a strong foundation to begin with they're, when they get out and start preaching they're over their heads already with that responsibility see they've been released into leadership where there's no leadership anything there he says <clears throat> he says he thought they were strengthening his faith and becoming less of a binary brain absolutist fundamentalist and more of a moderate more subtle that's what he's well you know subtle that's always the devil he says and a lot of Christians are critical of Pentecostals and extreme fundamentalists for being too simplistic so I went through that whole process by saying I'm going to be less simplistic whatever that means he's got an intellectual devil he thinks he's smart but he's not 
one of the first things Barker said he questioned was the historicity of Adam and Eve, whether they were real people or just, you know, before he had his ministry, Barker, uh, this ministry, Barker was a traveling evangelist, and it was in that role that he attended a church where the preacher confided in him that some members of the congregation didn't believe Adam and Eve were literal historical people. Well, the first time I heard about him, I didn't either. It took some, some convincing, like it takes all of us convincing. To me, that was horrible. That was heresy, Barker said. I know a lot of liberal Christians don't have a problem with that, but I was a fundamentalist taking everything literally. And when it dawned on me that there were other Christians with other points of view, it really bothered me. After grappling with the realization that Christians have varying points of view, Barker said he made the decision to accept that believers who hold a different interpretation of the Bible are still faithful and good people, <laughs> that he was not going to cease fellowshipping with them. See, this is, this is so typical of people who don't stay faithful to the word. They have no word in them to stay faithful to. You got me? If your foundation is solid and you stay faithful to a solid foundation, you'll make it through. It's obvious this man is more people person than he is God person. You have a relationship with God first. It doesn't matter. You don't have to judge people. You don't have to say they're good faithful people. Well, who are you to judge them? All you got to do is stay focused on you and God and your message and leave judging people alone. He said, it doesn't matter if we agree on some of these points. What matters is how we live our Christian life. Well, how are you going to live it without a good foundation? For Barker, this was a path toward tolerance. He said, a little more liberalizing of my thinking. I didn't have to be a know-it-all or a black and white absolutist. He continued, the Bible says you should be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. So I thought that Jesus thought I had to be true or false, right or wrong, yes or no, they can't be any gray areas yeah when in fact most Christians live their lives in gray areas see when you're most Christians is your your measuring rod you're already in trouble because you're going to always find somebody loving Jesus more as far as you can see or loving him less as far as you can see and how you see depends on what side of the bed you get up on usually so he says I, I began to liberalize and most Christians live their lives in gray areas doubting whether Adam and Eve were real people Barker said he initially thought he was maturing in his Christian faith and thought of it as a growing experience it was a story a parable a fable and that the early Israelites made up to teach what's more important than the fall of the human race the origin or the fall of mankind so it didn't matter if Adam and Eve were historical he said just like when Jesus told the parable like the prodigal son we all know it's not a true story well we don't know that and it doesn't matter if it's true Jesus made up a story well if he made it up it's true he can't make up no lies you got me it's not literal historicity of the story that matters it's underlying moral tale blah 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 through this process Barker said his sermon started to change and he spoke less about heaven hell and judgment and started to preach more about living this life such as a Sunday morning sermon on how to let your light shine <laughs> Barker told Christian Post that in his opinion most of the criticism of Christianity comes from members of the faith from followers themselves well that's not necessarily wrong 
you know we improve by understanding and evaluating things but I wouldn't say most of the criticism comes from us because we know better than to tear down our own that's how we survived all these years He's just got a bunch of opinions. He says, I finally got to the end of four or five years, to the end of that process, and I realized the character called the prodigal son it is a parable. He didn't exist. Adam and Eve is a metaphor. And then I thought, well, maybe God himself is a literary character that they made up. I mean he continues sometimes you hear that kind of talk from the liberal pulpit liberal preachers who are still preaching but I went through the whole process and realized the whole thing is just a story it has no basis in evidence or argument or even coherent definitions because how can a personal being have free will and yet know in which his own future decisions are fixed and therefore can't be changed see this man is confused all contradictions between and definitions of God even though Barker said his doubts led him to go to the Bible and study scriptures in 1983 he felt that at this juncture in his life he was affirming his non-belief and his move toward atheism so I finally said I guess I don't believe that being anymore he commented I became an atheist in my mind reluctantly I love my Christian life and my Christian friends and family I didn't know any atheists and I didn't know if I would like any atheist I didn't even like the word atheist but honestly I had to say well that describes me like it or not that describes the position I'm in I'm not theistic I don't hold the belief anymore and so he continues in this role as as a person who used to believe and used to preach the gospel but through compromise subtlety what he said a little bit here and a little bit there and accepting myth about the truth accepting truth see this is a person who's preaching and doesn't have faith in what he's preaching see and there's a lot of people out there who can pick up a bible and repeat words without believing them and they never convince anybody of what's real and so he's really never had a real conversion to the truth of God's word he just gets up and goes and preaches and so and this is why God calls ministry schools of ministry and places where people get get grounded in truth before they get up and run off with the Bible and start doing these things because you can see this man had something in him that wanted to be bigger than life all along he wanted to make a big splash in this world and he couldn't do it with his Christian the role he was playing in the Christian church and so the en enemy uses these little hooks and these little glitches in people's hearts and their minds to get them hooked into something and if he can get us to compromise and instead of referring back to God's word as the foundation of everything we believe back to his word as the only truth that we believe and stay with the word of God and stay with and understand how to stay with truth no matter where it comes from you understand what I'm saying there are people out there who are preaching truth just like we are and understand that the Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you into all truth you don't have to try and make up a truth that you think you feel like you want to believe you see and so here this man is head of an organization he's got followers and he's as confused as they come and see when the enemy uses people like that when he's when he's done with them then he discards them 
So he thinks he's onto something really wonderful, but the end result for him might be very tragic, just like it was for the uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare. She wound up being the reason that her son and her granddaughter were murdered, right along with her, because of, of the types of people that she eventually had to surround herself with. This was a woman during the 80s. Uh, she was a regular on Phil Donahue's show. He's a Catholic, but, you know, in name only. He didn't believe anything. You know, he just just used to go to church as a kid. And that's about as far as his commitment to, to God through that faith has gone. Well, he was intrigued with this person. You know, he liked this TV show. And he was very intrigued with her. And he gave her a lot of her publicity that she got uh, with her American Atheist Society. Society. And what happened to her was very sad. She had a son that found Christ and he's still serving God now. I remember he used to come on the 700 Club, ask people to pray for his mother and his brother and, and the rest of his family because he wanted to see them saved. And I know a lot of people did pray for her because I was one of them. Didn't like her, but I prayed for her because the son felt like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you do these things because you want to agree with somebody who's believing God for their souls. You know, you don't want to see people go to hell uh, because they're confused or, or disturbed in their thinking and she wound up uh, in her organization they, they say that she couldn't trust a lot of people and didn't get along with a lot of people so she had a big turnover uh, in her staff off and on through the years and wound up hiring a man that had a criminal record and she uh found that I think he was stealing money or something like that and, and uh, started saying some negative things. Well, she had the kind of reputation where anytime she spoke, people would print it in the paper or it would get around and, and people would find out because she, she still had that reputation as a public figure. Well, this man didn't like that she had started saying things about his past, his criminal past. And he wound up kidnapping her and her son who worked in the office with her and his daughter who was at the time a very young woman like teens or 20s or something like that and they later found their bodies buried in a shallow grave well they kept them kidnapped for a while because they were able to drain that that uh, organization of almost all of the money they were able to take all the valuables out of that and these two men split all the money and nobody cared for the longest time what happened to them because that's what the devil does to the people that serve him. He brings them to a very, very bad end. And it just took uh, some man who was a reporter that got interested in finding out what really happened to them. Because after they disappeared, most people who didn't like them said, good riddance. A lot of people who didn't care said, forget it. You know, don't even try very hard. But because this man stayed with it, they were able to finally figure out what happened to them and bring those two men to justice. But I'm telling you truth in staying with God, you know, seeking God and keep seeking him. You know, don't don't get yourself wound up in uh, who's telling the truth and who's not this and who's not being judgmental about God's people and judgmental about it. I want to evaluate and have opinions about everything. Uh, we seek God for, for what he has called us to do. This is one of the primary ways. He's called us to serve. Called us to serve humanity. Share your testimony with as many people. Live on that level of being obedient to God. Live on the level of desiring to see other people saved. If God's done something wonderful in your life and he 
has in all of us who know him, then that needs to be shared with people. And share it as often as you can. And, and stay faithful to your foundation of faith in Christ, repentance from dead works, and understanding that God has done all of these wonderful things for us. And we won't fall victim to so many things that you see happening around us. We're going to see more of them uh, because the Bible speaks of those things. It said many will turn away from the faith. You got me? And so we, we have to understand that when when the uh, end times are upon us and all that kind of stuff, uh, that, that we want to take the narrow way. Bible says there are few people that find it. You know, I mean, it's not, we're not, uh, the world isn't, isn't uh, uh, falling over with really, really sincere Christians who are dedicated to God. But there's some, you got me? God is able to bring some of us through and just stay faithful to the end because there's a good reward for people who are like God in the earth. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding and understanding everything that uh, comes to us and comes against us and we don't want to be the type of Christians that hide our heads in the sand and and we don't want to face the obstacles that can come in our quest to serve you and the quest to be uh, known of you and to be faithful to you so we thank you for giving us the ability to know the truth and we bless you for it Lord in Jesus name amen praise God amen if anybody needs prayer come on